I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word as today we read from the ninth chapter of the book of Acts as we continue our series of sermons on acts of faith. Let us hear these holy words. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if they found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. This is the word of God for the people of God. Before you're seated, please take a moment to greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. We again say a word of greeting this morning to all of you. We're grateful for your presence, those in the sanctuary, as well as those who are streaming all over the state and all over the country, as well as those who are watching on television. We say a special word of greeting this morning to those in Searcy and Fayetteville, Jonesboro and Cabot, among other places. We also say a word of greeting each week to those who are hospitalized who are watching our service of worship in their respective hospital room. We are grateful for your presence as well. You'll notice quickly on the back of your order of service, there is a night of worship a week from this Wednesday. You see a really good looking family there, an elderly father and his young son and wife. That is my son, Sam. He is going to be preaching here on May the 11th. He is the best preacher in the Robbins family. That is a Wednesday night. It is just a night of worship. It is a great celebration. We hope that you will be here. Please put that on your calendar. We're thankful you're here. Let us pray. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. Years ago, I was serving a church. As soon as I arrived, I went around to the respective Sunday school classes on my first Sunday morning to introduce myself. I walked down the hall to one room and outside the door of the Sunday school class was the title or name of that particular class, the IDTA class. Well, I was intrigued. What is the IDTA class? So as they gathered together, I said, tell me a little bit about the acronym IDTA. What does that stand for? And they said, preacher, we want to be real clear. Once you hear the title of this class, remember it. I said, okay, what is IDTA? It stands for, I did that already. 
So remember that, preacher. We've already done it. We've served our time. I said, that sounds like a prison sentence, serving your time. Well, we're the IDTA class, and we've done our time. It's time for other people to do their work in the church. I said, but y'all are fairly young. They were about my age now. And I said, you've got a lot to offer still. No, IDTA. <laughs> Weeks went by, and they made the mistake of inviting me to come teach their Sunday school class. And on that Sunday, I gathered with them, and I read this passage of Scripture from the Apostle Paul, who was then known as Saul, and his conversion experience. And I said to them, don't ever forget, you continue to be called by God. There is not a time frame on that. There is not an age limit on that. God continues to call you to do the work God expects you to do. You can no longer be the IDTA Sunday school class. Well, they did not like that. A couple of weeks later, they invited me back to their Sunday school class. I went back in and they stood up and they said, we want to be clear. We are still the IDTA Sunday school class, but you want us over. Now IDTA no longer stands for I did that already. Now it stands for I'm doing that again. We have to remember that when we are called by Christ and we hear Christ's call, he can call us at any point, at any time, at any age to do what needs to be done. We can't say, I did that already. We can't say, I've already served my time. There is no limit to what it is God can do with us when God chooses to call us. Saul was one who persecuted the early church. He was a zealot for the Jewish faith. This new group of people calling themselves followers of the way, we would call them Christians, were very irritating to Saul and very threatening to him as well. So he goes to the chief priests and asks permission. Can I scope out the Christians, infiltrate my way in, and have them imprisoned or even put to death? He is given permission to do so. He does it on several occasions, we find out, from his own pen and other writings. On his way to Damascus, Saul is knocked over, struck blind by the resurrected Christ who says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That is, why are you persecuting my church? He is blinded, and he is given instruction to wait for further instruction. He is then held by his hand because he is blind. For the next three days, he eats nothing and has nothing to drink. He is overcome, but this one named Saul would become the one we know to be the Apostle Paul. The one who persecuted the church would become the church's greatest evangelist of all time. The one who was struck blind by his voice, that is the voice of Christ speaking to him, would be the voice of the church. And when he could finally see his outlook on life, his vision was much different from anything it had been previously. 
Now notice what happens here. His call from Christ is very specific to him because his name is used. The resurrected Christ says, soul, soul. There are times in scripture when God calls us and God is very specific about the calling and to whom that calling rests on. Moses, Moses, you're going to go back from whence you came and free the Israelite people. The Virgin Mary is not called Mary. She is referred to as the favored one. She is given a title when her calling is made known to her as one who stands out, who is in favor above all others. If you read the end of the book of Romans, Paul singles out a woman by the name of Phoebe. He calls her by name, but Paul also gives her a title so that everybody understands she has been called by God to be a leader in the church. She is a deacon, says Paul, in the early church. So that ought to be enough for everybody who gets worked up when women have any role in the church of leadership. Remember, there were women deacons in the early days of the church. When we are called, it is a specific calling that is placed on us by Christ. And that was the case with Paul. We are never too old. We are never too incapacitated to do that which God would call us to do, whatever it may be. There are a lot of people who believe, well, God can call me to do what God needs me to do when I've got my life in order. Guess what? No one ever has their life in order. There's always something else that needs to be done, something else that needs to be straightened out or taken care of. Christ will call us when he chooses to call us to do what he would have us to do when he wants us to do it. Our responsibility is to hear Christ's call and respond accordingly as Saul did long ago. Now a calling can come in many forms. Sometimes a calling is after we have a relationship with Christ and it is a specific task that we are given. And sometimes a calling is a conversion experience. We would say it's when you get saved. But here's the problem I have with some people with regard to being called by Christ. I have heard countless times in my lifetime people say, if you can't name the moment you were saved, then you've never been saved. That is an absurdity. That is not biblical. There is nothing in scripture that says, unless you can name the moment, you haven't been saved. I know all kinds of people who know nothing but a relationship with Jesus Christ. They grew up in the church. It's all that they can remember saying, unless you can name the moment in which you were saved that you haven't been saved, is the equivalent of saying that if I can't name the moment that I fell in love with my wife, Susan, then I'm not really in love with her. That is idiotic. Listen to what William Mole says. He said, the roads of Christian faith are, are as varied as the people who profess it. God can come to us however God chooses. Why do we limit the way God can choose to come to us? Sometimes it takes a long period of time and we experience God in a number of ways before we give in to the call. And sometimes it is immediate, but it is a vast myriad experience in terms of the ways in which God can come to us. And why would God choose Saul? Saul hated the church. 
Saul went out of his way to imprison people. He held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. He was complicit in the murder of another human being. And yet God uses Saul to be the greatest evangelist the church would ever know. That seems so illogical, so irrational to me. But that's oftentimes how God chooses to do it. He chooses those who seem to be illogical, not a choice we would make. Or it seems to be irrational. It's not at the right time or the right place or the circumstances are not appropriate. But God's going to do what God chooses to do. I was serving a church. I had a young man in my congregation. He was probably in his late 30s at the time. I was in my late 20s. And he came to me, and we continually talked about his sense of calling. But every time he f talked about his sense of calling to leave his career and go in ministry, he would say, but I only have a high school diploma. That means I would have to go back in my late 30s to start college with people who are half my age. I'd have to give up my career. And he made a lot of money as a salesperson. He said, I'd have to sell my house and move my family, and I'm not going to do that. I said to him one day, I'm not sure why we continually have these conversations if you are adamant that you are never going to give in to the call that has clearly been placed upon you by God. One day I was in my office. The phone rang. I answered it. It was this young man. And he said, I'm waving the white flag. I can't do it anymore. This makes no sense, John. I'm going to have to start all over again, literally with my life, and I'm almost 40 years of age but I can't fight God anymore. He went back and started as a freshman in college at almost the age of 40. He sold his house, he took a little church, he moved his family, he obviously gave up his lucrative job. But he would have a highly successful career in ministry and feel that sense of fulfillment and purpose in his life that had been nagging at him since he was a little boy. Because he listened to the call and finally surrendered. Not everybody who's called is called to be ordained, but every one of us is called to be faithful and to live out that faithfulness in some particular way. Remember what scripture says, Paul, this one named Saul who was converted on the road to Damascus would one day be the apostle Paul. And he said, we become a new creation in Christ Jesus and the old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, everything is new. We have a new purpose, a new reason for being, a new challenge that lies before us to be who God would have us to be in the unique and powerful way in which God has called us. It makes everything crystal clear. See, some people strive to achieve believing that the sense of purpose and fulfillment can be accomplished in professional successes, and that's true to some degree, or reaching a certain level of income or a certain level of education or living in a particular neighborhood or whatever it may be. But I can promise you none of those things ultimately are satisfactory enough to take away that deep yearning all of us have to know that we have a real purpose and a real reason for being in the world. All the money in the world can't satisfy that. All the power and all the prestige can't eliminate the desire we have to know our real purpose in the world, to accomplish something good 
for the sake of the kingdom of God. We are inherently made that way because we are created in the image of God. I had one man in my church who was extraordinarily successful. He was a multimillionaire, a high-ranking executive. He visited me with me one day and he told me his story. He was very involved in my church, but he said, I never went to church not once in my life till I was well into my 40s. I'd never darkened the doors of a church. I was highly successful in the corporate world, but I never felt a sense of accomplishment or fulfillment. And then one day in a conversation with somebody about not feeling that sense of fulfillment and purpose, a friend of mine invited me to church. And I thought, well, it'll be a waste of time, but I'll do what he wanted me to do. And he said, my life was changed in that moment. He still made a lot of money. He still accomplished a great deal and was a high-powered executive. But now he translated his call from God into the work he did for the sake of Jesus Christ. And he did so much good for so many that he would have never done otherwise had it not been for him hearing Christ's call on his life. So I want you to think very quickly about your own life. God is calling you, I promise, to do something and to be someone beyond who you are presently. It happens to all of that. And we can never say to God, IDTA, I did that already. We may have done it already and God may want us to do it again, but you know what? That's okay. God knows what's best and God knows our skill set and God knows how to use us for the greater good. It is never too late to be who God would have you to be, to do something great and good for the kingdom. And that's not only the case for individuals, that is the case for a church. So Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church is now positioned to hear Christ's call. And part of my responsibility is to listen to other people who have a vision for this church and to help create that vision for what we can do and who we can be beyond the walls of this particular structure and well out into the world. And the harvest is plentiful. We are going to do that. We are going to do so much good for so many well beyond Little Rock, Arkansas. You hang on because God, I believe, is calling this church to be who God would have us to be. And we're going to do it together because it's our collective call. We're never going to say, I did that already. You know what we're going to say? I'm doing that again and I'm grateful for the privilege. That's what it means to be called by God as the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I would say faith is about the belief that you have in God and like putting all of your trust in God and in the church, especially in the community of the church, because I feel like that's something that's really important to like keep hold of. A lot of it was, I've just been going to church for a long time, and then like as the years have gone by, I've just learned more about the church and more about like the Bible. And then especially this year, going to Bible study and youth, like it's just been a whole journey of like being with friends and with like adults that are helping us learn about 
God. So I had never really done a formal Bible study before and then with Ellen and with um, the other adults and kids in the group, like we just take each verse and we like break it down. And at the beginning, like we weren't very good at it and it would take like a lot of help from Ellen. But now we can do a lot of it like with barely any guidance from her. So it's like good to see our growth in that. I would say a lot of it is just in the community that I'm in, just coming to church every Wednesday and Sunday and just seeing like all the people that want to be here, just like I want to be here. I think just being with people and like having discussions about like things. And I feel like a lot of things in my life, like there's like fields crossing over. So like the things I talk about in my classes kind of cross over with what we talk about in church. And it just like feels like it's coming together in a way that's like not on purpose, I guess. Does that, do you find meaning in that? Yeah, like it's cool. Like I just think about like the thing in my art class matches with my comp gov class and matches my lit class. And then like, it just seems like it's coming together like, like perfectly, even though it doesn't like, shouldn't happen like that.